0: Hello everyone and welcome to Not So Secular, the place where we talk about how the world we live in is not as secular as we often think. We just choose to see it that way. My name is Mon Reyes, I am a youth missionary here in the Philippines and I will be your host here today. On this episode, we will be responding to the question, if God is good, then why do bad things happen? All that and more coming right up. I'd like to start this off by stating the obvious, and that is that this question is a very challenging one. Not just because it's difficult to answer, but because for a lot of us, for most of us, I would say, this tends to be very personal as well. Evil is something that you may have experienced in your life, or you may have witnessed in someone that you care about. Maybe you've seen them suffer in ways that may seem unnecessary or may seem like it's uncalled for. And we might have been brought to some points in our lives when it has made us question whether God really exists. That if God is so good, then why is he allowing all of these things, all of these bad things to continue to happen? That, of course, is a valid question and it tends to be emotional as well. As a youth missionary, this is something that I encounter through the different stories that I hear from the students that we reach out to. It's very broad. It ranges from maybe someone having a parent or a relative who is going through sickness, going through illness. This is very relevant right now because of the pandemic, because of COVID. It's not uncommon to hear of people losing their lives, of families losing a relative, a family member because of because of what's happening in the world right now there are times as well when we hear stories from these young people about how they have experienced trauma about how they have experienced some form of abuse in the past and it's very heartbreaking especially if it comes from the family i can no longer count how many stories i've heard of both young women and young men who have experienced Sexual abuse. Serial sexual abuse. It was repeated over and over. And sometimes it's even being done by someone inside the household, like a family member or a neighbor. Maybe you know someone who has experienced something like this. Maybe you are someone who has experienced an evil like this. Suffering is not that difficult to find. It's everywhere. Evil is not that difficult to find. More people believe in evil than they believe in God. And if you are someone who hasn't gone through that kind of tragedy or, or that kind of, of pain in your life, then consider yourself very fortunate because it doesn't last long. <laughs> we all grow old. If, if it doesn't happen to us, it happens to someone that we care about. We all grow old. Our bodies grow frail. We encounter tragic circumstances and maybe even bad people. There is a reason why this question has persisted. There is a reason why this question it's very strong because if God is who we say he is, that he is all loving, that he is all good, that he is all powerful, then why does, why does evil still exist? I want to make it clear that the purpose of this episode is not to give you something that will enable you to not have to suffer anymore, to not have to feel bad about anything anymore. Uh, It's not the purpose of this episode. The purpose of this episode is for us to understand this very real thing and how we can view it in light of what God has revealed to us. And it, it can be very difficult, especially if you have experience of something that is very real. And I don't want to discount that. And that might take a journey. That might take a longer process than it would take to record one episode of the Not So Secular Podcast. And so if anything, if this could be at least an invitation for healing to start or at least, at least an encouragement for healing to continue, may it be so. That is why we want to talk about this, this thing. We want to understand it better and see what God has to say about it, what the church has to say about it, what the Bible has to say about it. Because the thing about evil is that the Bible is well aware of this problem. This is brought up right from the very first book of the Bible on chapter 3 of Genesis. After God creates the good world, after God creates the land and the sky, and God separates the waters and God fills it up with with his creation with human beings, what happens next is that we are introduced to the idea of the fall. We are introduced to the idea of evil and death entering into God's good creation. And that wasn't part of the plan. That wasn't what God wanted to happen. The Bible does not shy away from topics such as these. In in fact, if you go and read through the Old Testament, you will be surprised that a lot of the stories that we think we know from the Old Testament are actually more mature. And it's kind of rated SPG if you think about it. A lot of these stories does not shy away from the reality of evil. Evil is not a new problem. The church is well aware of this as well. I think we forget sometimes that, that the church has been around for thousands of years. It's not like it's the first time someone has brought up this question. Because here's the thing. As much as I understand that this could be an emotional question for some, a personal question for some, especially those who have experience on the matter of, of going through suffering or encountering evil in their lives, this could also be a, an intellectual question for some because they, they just seem to conceive how this could continue to happen, that if God is who, he, who we say he is, how could he allow such evil and such suffering to continue? So I I get that. I get how it could be personal, emotional and intellectual for some people, but I think I think there are also people that for for them this is just something that they say to make themselves sound smart. This is just something that they've heard maybe from their intro to philosophy class or their intro to theology class, their intro to religion class and then suddenly suddenly it it, it kind of justifies why they don't believe and what they say they don't believe. And so it makes them sound cool and smart and they ask these questions they don't, they, and they don't pursue the answers as if, as if the church is surprised that this question has been raised. As if the church has been trying to hide behind closed doors and behind walls as to, as to the problem of evil. The church is well aware of the problem of evil and that is why the church continues to be a beacon and that is why the church continues to to be a light just as jesus asked the church asked the people his followers to be a light to the nations because the church is well aware that most of us are in darkness this is not a new problem for thousands of years people have been discussing this and people way smarter than i am have have done their best to address this problem and that is what i hope to offer to you in these next few minutes that we will be sharing together to at least give you an insight into that to at least open the conversation because the thing about questions such as these is that sometimes we stop with the questions and we don't seek answers because the question we think just trumps the entire argument it's important that we about these things we don't shy away from them so let's talk about it this dilemma is classically known in christian theology and philosophy as the problem of evil and it begins with a christian claim the christian claim is that god is all good all-knowing and all-powerful this has been stated in a lot of different ways over the years by different people but one good way of putting it, goes like this. If God is all-good, then He would want to eliminate evil. If God is all-knowing, then He is aware that evil exists. If God is all-powerful, then He is able to eliminate evil. However, evil exists. Therefore, God doesn't exist. Or, if God exists then we have three options. Either he doesn't care, he doesn't know, or he is not able. On the offset, it seems to make sense, doesn't it? If God can do it, why doesn't he? If God wants to do it, why doesn't he? If God knows that he should do it, why doesn't he? So it's either he just doesn't exist, or he's not really doing anything about it, which is equally just as bad, if I may say. So how do we respond to this? As for me, I'd like to begin this by looking into scripture. And the thing about scripture is that it doesn't lay things out in a formula manner like this. It doesn't, it doesn't contain... Uh, sets of premises and conclusions that come from those premises. It's not a. It's not an encyclopedia. It's not a textbook. It's more of a story. It's 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 a narrative. It's it's a history. It's theology and the history, to be more precise. It does teach us a lot of what we believe. It does reveal to us the character of God, who He is, and what He has been doing. To be reconciled with us, it it does form a lot of our doctrines and a lot of a lot of what we profess. However, the way in which it it tells us those things, the way it in which it reveals to us all of these things, is not in the same manner as our more technical books it's not it's not done in the same manner as the catechism for example it's not done it's not like a cookbook you know there are different kinds of books there are different kinds of literature and for us to get the most out of what we're reading then we need to honor how it was written because you read different books in different ways you don't read true philippine ghost stories in the same way that you would read a national geographic magazine you you don't read a an autobiography in the same way that you would read teen fiction. It, it just doesn't work. You need to set the right expectations. You need to set the right, the right lens so that you could view these things in the proper way. And that might be a topic that's worth talking about in a separate episode or in a separate series of episodes. But let's start there. Let's start with scripture, with the Bible being narrative, being a story. What does this story mean? tell us as we mentioned a while ago the story of the bible begins with creation it begins in the beginning when god created the heavens and the earth he separated the waters above from the waters below he separated the land from the sea he filled it up with different creatures with different objects and with different beings and over and over, we are told that it was good. When God created light, it was good. When the dry land appeared, it was good. When the different species of creatures filled the earth, the sky, and the waters, it was good. Six times, it's said to us that it was good. And after God created human beings, it said that it was very good. So right from the very beginning, it is implied that goodness comes from God. It is, it is revealed to us that what God creates is good. But there's something different about human beings. We are told that human beings were created in the image and likeness of God. We talked about this during the first episode. And with that comes the capacity to partner with God, to co-rule with God, to co-create with God. That is why human beings were placed in a garden. That is a representation of what it means to work with God. We have been given. Part of this is that we have been given the capacity to decide. We have been given the capacity to will. We call it free will. And along with that free will is that we are enabled to say yes to God. But part of that free will is that we are enabled to say no to God. And that is what happens during the third chapter. A serpent enters into the picture and tempts Adam and Eve, the first people. And what happens from there is we see the fall. The first sin is committed, although it's not yet called sin during this time. It's called sin in chapter 4. But the first sin is committed and people were separated from God and they were separated from each other. They started hiding from God and they hid from another. They covered themselves in fig leaves. That is what we're told. And God starts to look for them. God starts to to look for them in the garden. And because of this separation, because of this act of defying God— came certain consequences that had to happen and this is where the fall of man and the fall of creation basically occurs but before we proceed let's stay here a while and pay attention to what that implies the idea of free will the idea of being able to choose When God created human beings, he he didn't think of creating robots who had no capacity to decide for themselves, who had to be programmed to be able to do certain things and do certain things well. When God created human beings, there was the intent of partnering with human beings, with partnering with us. That Part of that is our capacity for love because the thing about love is that love has to be chosen. Love cannot be forced. If love is forced then it's not love. But that is why during the marriage ceremony, that is one of the things that we ask. Do you come here of your free will? Because we want to make sure, right? Because if he if the person didn't come out of his or her free will, then the marriage is, it doesn't count. It's invalid. It cannot proceed. Why am I telling you this? We're talking about this because we want to respond to the problem of evil. I'd like to point out to you that the conclusion it claims to make simply does not follow from the premises that it lays out. Because there are other factors that it fails to consider. One of those factors is the gift of free will. We have been given the capacity to decide to do good, but we also have the capacity to do bad. Try to think about it in this way. Imagine a family of four there are two parents and two children. The two siblings, they don't get along a lot. And they fight with each other. They argue with each other. They shout at each other. And then one day, the younger sibling finally has had enough. He has had it. And he decides that it would be a good idea to land a punch on his brother's face. And he does it. And his brother starts crying and then Dad and his mom just enters into the room, starts to assess the situation. What's happening? Why are you doing this? Say sorry to your brother and all that jazz. Now, would it be fair to say or to ask that how could a good dad or how could a good mom allow these things to happen inside their house? It sounds absurd, right? Because it's not the dad's fault. It's not the mom's fault. It's the younger sibling's fault. He is the one who made the decision to punch his older brother, and it's bad. It's not what the dad would've wanted, it's not what the mom would've wanted, but it's what he chose. The same thing goes for us. We have the capacity to hurt our neighbor. We have the capacity to do bad things. Other people have the capacity for evil, we have the capacity for evil. And the sooner we recognize that, the sooner we admit that, the better equipped we will be because if we have that capacity, one of the worst things that we could do is not be prepared to handle it and not be prepared to act in a virtuous manner when we have the temptations to act in those ways. We can't blame God for the sins we commit because the sins that we commit is not part of what God wants to happen. It's not part of where God is leading us because we have the free will to say no to Him. Part of why evil exists is because sometimes we choose evil. People choose evil. We do these things to one another. We hurt each other. We do it sometimes intentionally, other times unintentionally. Is that what God wants? I don't think so. It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like God would want 9-11 to happen. It doesn't seem like God would want what Hitler and the Nazis did. It doesn't seem like God would want what Stalin and Mao and all of the other communist leaders did and are continuing to do today. Those don't seem to be the type of things that God wants us to do. But we can do it. We can make those decisions it may not it might not be as grand as the other examples I mentioned but we know it when we've hurt someone we know it when we've done something bad and we do it for all sorts of reasons we do it for for reasons that would benefit us we do it for reasons that would benefit our interests or sometimes we do it because we're immature we do it because we don't understand the consequences of what our actions are Bringing about. We have been on the giving end of this. And some of us have been in the receiving end of this as well. Someone has decided to act in their own will for their own benefit that has affected you, that has affected us in very real ways. And it's easy to get bitter, it's easy to get resentful, and it's easy to get angry. Why would God allow these things to happen? But again, there is a difference between what God wants, what God perfectly wills, and what He simply allows. There is a difference between what God perfectly wills and what He simply allows. So then, you might ask the question, Why isn't God doing anything about it? But again, that comes with a certain presumption. What makes you think that God isn't doing anything about it? What makes us so sure that God is just passive with all of these things that are happening? If He really is all-knowing, then there might be some things that He knows. There might be a lot of things that He knows that maybe we don't know, that maybe we can't Take into consideration when we analyze these things. That maybe there is a good reason why he has allowed these things to happen. It might not be what he perfectly willed, but within our bad choices, within our bad decisions, he can make a way to work things out for good. He can make a way to provide an opportunity for growth, an opportunity for goodness that might not have been possible otherwise have you ever had those experiences when you look back to some of the things that happened in your life that maybe during the time you didn't like it or during the time you may have even regretted it but thinking about where you are now even though some of those things were bad you also acknowledge that you wouldn't be the person that you are today if you didn't go through all that stuff If you didn't go through all that hardship and all that struggle, it helped form you into being more compassionate. It it helped form you into being more driven. It helped form you into becoming more intent on knowing God. Because that's what happens. Sometimes God allows certain things to happen in our lives, even if it's someone else's fault or even if it's our fault. Because he can see that within those choices could be an opportunity for growth. We see this in the story of Joseph the dreamer. Joseph's story is also found in Genesis. He is one of the descendants of Abraham. He is one of the sons of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. He is the second to the last. And he was favored by his dad and his siblings did not like that at all his 10 other siblings decided to do something bad. They decided to beat him up and leave him for dead and sell him to slavery. He was brought into Egypt. And during his time in Egypt, it worked out well for a while, but due to certain circumstances, he found himself being sent to jail even though he did nothing wrong. And after, after a while, because he was... Faithful, and because he was he remained true to God, he was brought out of that place. He was recognized by Pharaoh, and he was brought to a position where he had a certain degree of influence, he had a certain degree of power. Later on, his older siblings find him again, but they don't recognize him. And the reason why they cross paths is because they were going through famine, they were going through drought, and there was no food left. And so, this 10 older siblings, they were desperate. And they had with them the youngest sibling, the one that came after Joseph. And then during that time, they were reconciled um, after a time of testing on Joseph's part because he wanted to make sure if he could trust his brothers again. He decided that it would be a good idea for him to take his brothers in, to take his father in, and take care of them in Egypt. And during the time when Their father passed away, Jacob. His older brothers were afraid because now that their dad is gone, maybe Joseph would take revenge on them. But that's not what Joseph does. This is what happens in Genesis chapter 50. Joseph says, Even though you meant harm to me, God meant it for good. To achieve this present end, the survival of many people. Now think about it. Of course, God did not want his older brothers to beat him up. Of course, God did not want his older brothers to sell Joseph into slavery and for Joseph to have to struggle through all of these things. But within those choices that we make, God sees a greater good. And God God works with these, these broken ingredients, with these broken tools that we give him And he is able to make something better out of it. He is able to to bring about a greater good even though our decisions were bad. That is how the sovereignty of God works. It doesn't doesn't diminish our free will. It doesn't diminish his all-knowingness, his all-powerfulness. But within the context of our free will, even when we decide to do evil, even when we decide to do bad, he has a way of working things out for good and he allows certain bad things to happen if it means bringing about goodness in our lives you could think about it like you would think of a young kid who needs to have his tooth pulled out so he goes to the dentist and his his parents reassure him but the, his parents know that this could be a painful thing he would have to be injected the pool would have the 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 tooth would have to be pulled out. But despite this pain or this this seemingly senseless pain that the kid might not understand yet, the parents know that there is a greater good that would come out of this. And so they allow the pain to happen so that the tooth would be properly pulled out. You see what I'm getting at here? Just because it seems like God's not doing something about it doesn't mean that that's the case. He could be doing something about it. He is doing something about it. Which leads us to the rest of the biblical story because that that separation that was brought about by the fall, that by sin and death, the way God responds to it is, we talked about this again during the first episode, is by selecting people, calling them, helping form them to be the kind of people that could represent the, ki- the, the the love that God has, the kind of love that God has, and the kind of character that God has. They were called to be representatives so that they could be the light to the nations. That was God's people, Israel, and that mission continues until today through His church. When we encounter God, when we come to know Him. We are compelled. We are called to represent Him and to share Him to others as well. Are we being good witnesses to the kind of love that God has? God knows better. This is something that we see as well in another biblical story, in the story of Job. Job is someone who goes through a great deal of tragedy in his life. He loses his family. He loses his property. He starts starts having these illnesses, these sicknesses. And he was a good man. He was a good man. That's something that we often ask about. Why do bad things happen to good people? Job was a good man. He was a righteous man. He was upright. But God allowed these things to happen to him. And there was a time when he was trying his best to remain faithful trying his best to trust god and all through the process but eventually it breaks him eventually he cries out to god god why is this happening to me it would have been better if i had not been born but god responds to him and god doesn't respond to him just to shut him up god doesn't respond to him as if what the things that are happening in his life doesn't matter The way God responds to him is by showing him that he knows better. In Job chapter 38, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm and said, Who is this who darkens counsel with words of ignorance? Gird up your loins now, like a man. I will question you, and you tell me the answers. Where were you when I founded the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding." Who determined its size? Surely you know. Who stretched out the measuring line for it? Into what were its pedestals sunk? And who laid its cornerstone? While the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy, who shut within doors the sea when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and thick darkness its swaddling bands, When I set limits for it, and fastened the bar of its door, and said, Thus far shall you come, but no farther, and here shall your proud waves stop. Have you ever in your lifetime commanded the morning and shown the dawn its place? For taking hold of the ends of the earth till the wicked are shaken from it. The earth is changed as clay by the seal, and dyed like a garment. But from the wicked their light is withheld, and the arm of pride is shattered. Have you entered into the sources of the sea, or walked about on the bottom of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you, or have you seen the gates of darkness? Have you comprehended the breadth of the earth? Tell me if you know it all. And in chapter 42, we hear Job's response. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be hindered. Who is this who obscures counsel with ignorance? I have spoken but did not understand, things too marvelous for me which I did not know. Listen and I will speak, I will question you and you tell me the answers. By hearsay I had heard of you, but now my eye has seen you." And here we see the growth in Job because before he was a righteous man, before he was an upright man. Now he is more than just a righteous man. He is now a man who walks with God. There are things that are difficult to make sense of, that are difficult to comprehend, especially if it happens close to us, especially if it happens to people that we care about, or if it happens to ourselves, and I'm not discounting the reality of that. I'm not discounting the truth that it hurts when you go through suffering. It hurts when you experience evil. It's not pleasant. It's not the way it's supposed to be, and we know that it's real. But Jesus knows that too. When he went to the tomb of Lazarus, even though he would raise Lazarus from the dead, we see him weep because the pain of the here and the now is very true. But what is beautiful is that we know that there is new life. We know that we can hope once more. Jesus is no stranger to pain and suffering. We know this because he, he embraced it himself for our sake. He allowed himself to go through pain and suffering. But then you might ask, what about the pain and suffering that is not caused by people? What about typhoons, earthquakes, natural fires that take lives? What about those people who had to suffer through, through viruses and through illnesses that, that's not our fault? Why do those kinds of evils exist? And that's the thing. We live in a fallen world. Part of the fall of man is that creation was thrown out of sync. It's not how it's supposed to be. This is why the prophets would often foretell of the time that is coming, the day of the Lord when everything will be set right. But right now, we are in this middle point when, when we have the hope of the reality of Jesus, what He has done, but we also are waiting for the completion of that. It is being completed as we live, as we speak. But creation as of the moment is out of sync. In Romans chapter 8, It says, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. For creation was made subject to futility, not of its own accord, but because of the one who subjected it in hope. That creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains even until now. And not only that, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we also groan within ourselves as we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Our world operates with certain laws of physics certain laws of biology of chemistry there is a certain way that that the world is designed that the world has been made but we also acknowledge that the world right now is not what it's meant to be because it's out of it's out of its proper state that is why it could result in these tragic circumstances that (laughs) i get it. it it's difficult to process through it's difficult to understand but we are hoping for a day when God would set things right. What we hold to is resurrection power, the resurrection power of Jesus. There is new creation that is coming where the redemption of our bodies, we, we say this during the creed, right? We we talk about the resurrection of the body when God would set things right. Again, I don't know why God would allow some of these things to happen. But just because I don't know the reason doesn't mean that there is none. We're not just dealing with a formula. We're not just dealing with, with some thesis statement. We're dealing with a being, an almighty being, someone that we can know because He allows us to know Him. And like I said, Jesus Jesus is fully aware of the kind of suffering, of the kind of evil that we go through. He is in touch with us. That is the story of Scripture. That since we cannot make our way back to God, it is God who chooses to be with us in the form of His Son, Christ. His Son, Jesus Christ. He allows even Himself to go through the pain of death and He overwhelmed the reality of death with the reality of His life and His light. And because of that, death has been defeated. Because of what He has done, because He has risen from the dead, we know that, that there is greater life that is true even beyond what we perceive, even beyond what we can conceive. And that is what we are hoping for. God cares about this world, that He wants to redeem it. He cares about creation because creation was made good. He is doing something about it. Maybe He's sending you in some form, in some capacity, with what you have been given, with where He has placed you. And that's a good question to ask. How do we respond? How do we participate? How do we partner with God as he brings about the restoration of this world, brings about the restoration of creation. Whatever we may be going through right now, no matter how difficult it may be, this is not the end. This is not all that there is. I'd like to end with one last note, and that is that the fact that we are upset about evil points towards a greater truth it points toward a greater reality because what is evil evil is a parasite evil is a privation of good it's a distortion of good it cannot exist apart from good and so the existence of evil means that good exists as well and we're not just referring to you know what's good for me what's good for you we're not just referring to fun we're not just referring to comfort we're not just referring to alleviating pain Although those things could be part of it, but good carries a different weight into it. And it would be good to ask, what is the source of that good? Or rather, who is the source of that good? Because the observable world could tell us how things came about. Science could tell us about how things came to be. But it cannot tell us how things ought to be. It's God who gives us that. God is the source of good. He is our standard of good. He is goodness in himself. So as we seek to know God, we also come to know what is good. I understand that we're coming from different places here, that this question carries different weight, maybe to me and to you and to some other people depending on what you have gone through, what you have experienced, and what you have thought about in the past or maybe right now. And I'd like to encourage you, go read on about it. There are plenty more resources that you could find online, Catholic resources, Christian resources, that could shed some more light into the problem of evil and to this topic. If the way that I have approached this topic is not sufficient, there are plenty more people who are wiser and smarter than I am who have done so themselves. This is actually one of the objections of Thomas Aquinas with the existence of God. There are only two. One is the problem of evil. So this is something that he took seriously as well. And I would recommend that you go pursue those resources and that this helps you grow in your faith that this helps you come to know God better and it helps you pursue the good better. I am praying with you and I hope that you find the kind of community that you need, the kind of assurance that you need in your faith journey, in your walk, in growing in your relationship with Christ. And so, until the next episode, I'll see you then. Bye!